This is a Kirkendall Barrett presentation, darling. <laughs> you can touch it if you want. Ladies, if you want to meet a man, check your storage closet. Come on, Kendall, take off your shirt and go camera shopping at Best Buy. Good shirtless, not bad shirtless. Yeah. Well, it was gratuitous. Yeah, it was. I like a good grizzled man sometimes. A lifetime of Hallmark. Well, hello, everybody. It is your favorite day of the week. It is time for another episode of A Lifetime of Hallmark, where we talk about your favorite movies on both Lifetime and the Hallmark Channel and try to make sense of them. I am Les Kirkendall Barrett. Hello, Jason Bauer. Hello, Les Kirkendall Barrett. And hello, Kirk Fitzpatrick. Hello, Les Kirkendall Barrett, and hello, Jason Bowers. And hello to the man who made me watch the Sisterhood of the Yaha what, what's really? this movie called again? It's called the the Yaha, whatever the divine, it was. Divine Sisterhood of the, the Divine the Sisterhood of the Yayas. The, the Divine um, Sisterhood of the wrong. Traveling Pants. No, no, no. What was it called again? I can't hear. Just we're just talking about it. The Divine Secrets of the Yaya Sisterhood. That's what I was forced to watch. Yes, I've been trying to try to get it in my brain. I, I watched this. I watched it for his podcast, the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. All the way from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Hey, this is like the Ed Sullivan show now. Jason Debray. Woo! Hi, Jason. Contemporary Hi, Jason. Hey, everybody. Thank you for having me on. I know we've been trying to set this up for a while. Kurt's been on my show a lot. I think the most or the second most of any guest here. And so I'm happy to uh, pay, pay him back here and, uh, and, and come on as a guest uh, your show and i have to say the three of you are really heroes why is that what what you do every every week for the entertainment of the listeners i mean it is it, it is one of the most heroic things i've ever heard of because these are not easy movies that you watch so. <laughs> that is true <laughs> thank you and, and, and jason you. you are my hero anybody who can make kurt fitzpatrick watch the Yaya Sisterhood is a hero in my eyes. And can you please make him watch uh, the the uh, the Traveling Pants, Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants Part 2? Because there is a sequel. Part 2, all right. Oh, boy. I, I, I have to get my hands on it. So the, the premise of my show is we review six movies, and at the end, my guest and I give points, and the one that has the lowest has to leave my movie collection. So I don't own oh. either of the the traveling pants movies, uh, oddly enough. But uh, if I can get my hold on your hands on the second one, then Kurt, that's your show. Oh no! But yeah. as long as I have to watch like Sex in the City Part Two, I I would I go into hiding. And, if and let's put it like now and then from the mid nineties. Oh, is that the the Rosie O'Donnell? <laughs> um, yeah, and Christina Ricci's like a young Rosie in that movie. Gabby Hoffman's yeah. in that. Demi you know, Moore. Yeah. That movie, yeah. when I first moved to I first moved to New York, I was trying to get myself into the film industry. I hadn't, I hadn't been there that long. And I got a I got a call to work on that movie. To do what? As a production assistant. Okay. Oh. And I was all excited. And they were like, they were just, we just needed somebody. We just happened to come across your resume. I don't know who you are. So I was all excited. I was telling people, I'm going to work, I'm working on this movie with Melanie Griffith. And, uh, and then they called me later on that night and said, oh, never mind. Oh, that's awesome. So I didn't get to work That's welcome to the film business right there. Yeah. yeah. That's, 
That's awful. That's a sad story. I, well, well, that movie was brought up, so that's that's the <laughs> story that came into my head. <laughs> was it last episode? I don't know if you record them in order. I listened to the last one where you were close to being Mackay Pfeiffer or something. Oh, no. Yeah. Kurt auditioned for the Mackay Pfeiffer role yeah. in 8 Mile. Yeah, I can't yes, believe I didn't true. know that. Because I've had you on talking about meeting Paul Newman and him yelling at you at a theater and 10 years ago or something and a bunch of different stories, but I didn't know that one. So Why yeah, have I'll, I'll have you review 8 Mile with me. Yeah, I could do that. Um, <laughs> 8 Mile's you, good. You, you tell me what you would have done with that character that would have been different. Something. I mean, it was... Well, like I said, it was originally going to be something would have happened. It definitely would have been different. What, the Paul Newman thing? I never said that. That was No, I never heard that story. No. So this was like years ago. Like Obviously, he's been – he passed away some years ago, maybe maybe 20 years ago. I went with a um, – a friend of mine and I got we – we're, we're in this acting class. We're taking an acting class at HB Studios, and we got tickets to see this – Broadway show it was Arthur Miller's After the Fall. Does that sound right? That's one of his shows. No, The Price. It was a show he Price. did called The Price. Yeah. Um, so we go to see this Broadway show, and unexpectedly, it's like it's a star-studded event. Like Meryl Streep is there, and Ethan Hawke is there, and we had no idea all these people were going to be there. And Paul Newman was there, <laughs> and Paul Newman, what he would do is he would position himself around the theater so that any kind of busy place you would see Paul Newman. So I would walk up the steps, there's Paul Newman, you know, go to the men's room, Paul Newman's hanging outside the men's room, you know, walk around oh. the corner, there's Paul Newman. So like wherever I walked, wherever I went, Paul Newman is just kind of standing there positioning himself so people could see him. Was he actually deliberately doing that or is that just the, the comedic uh, telling of the story no. is that he was no, everywhere he, you went? He, it was, he absolutely was doing this. He wanted to be seen. Okay. Because it was ridiculous. Honestly, I walked up the stairs and there's Paul Newman standing there. He's like, like a statue. Um, so at one point, so during the intermission, he positions himself um, outside the restroom. So there's a line for the restroom. So everybody walking by could see Paul Newman. And he's looking at this, <laughs> he's looking at the playbill, but he's obviously not, obviously not reading it. So I, <laughs> I walked up to him and I said, uh, Mr. Newman, um, and he's like, what, what, what? I'm like, Mr. Newman, uh, I was wondering if you had any advice for a young actor. And he just looks at me and he goes, good God, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's yelling at you. I think that's no, sort of a playful yelling, response. We determined when I was on the shelf shedding movie show, uh, we determined that, but didn't we say that Paul Newman really didn't feel like he, he had any, he had a right to give anybody advice. That's probably why he, he said that. He was hard on himself. Yeah, I mean, he was... Yeah, he was trying not to be a movie star. I mean, I think he was always known as this good-looking movie star. He was trying to overcome that, and he had, uh, he had difficulty. I mean, I, I saw him interviewed for the Actors Studio. He was just criticizing all of his old performances. I think the verdict, which we reviewed on the show, that's when he said he was happy with that performance. But not, I don't think he was happy with anything before that, so oddly enough. Oh, gee, life was so rough for him. I'm so hot. I'm so good looking. My salad dressing is amazing. <laughs> well, whenever I see the spaghetti jars, spaghetti, and it's always like, it's like he's, he's, he's scolding me from the, the grocery store aisle. <laughs> good God, no. <laughs> from the grave. What's some salsa? What's the, uh, 
Oh, there's that slightly racist one of the Newman brand where he's wearing like some sort of a poncho. What, what is oh, that? Oh, yeah. It's a salsa. Oh. It's also the whole Newman. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's as offensive as when Trader Joe's used to call their um, their ethnic stuff. They would be like Trader Jose's, Trader Giuseppe's, and they got away from that. Yes, yeah. yes. We're at a different time now, so yeah. okay. Yes. Well, anyway, Jason, welcome, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we have so uh, much to talk about. We could talk about screeners because remember, uh, uh, Jason is our audience member who enjoys when we talk about union stuff. We oh, talk about yes. after stuff. I do. I'm I'm a nerd for that. I I wish I had to vote for the Screen Actors Guild Awards, um, but well, now I think I the screeners are live for us to to view digitally. I believe they are live now. Yes, they it's are. after Christmas. I just saw. Uh, was Brian Tyree Henry? I saw him in, in Causeway uh, the other night. He's I heard not nominated for, for the SAG Award. He's fantastic. I don't know if if the Academy are gonna gonna pick up on that performance, but uh, that was that was a recent one I saw that was just outstanding. But I don't know. I, I was I was I, I was um, that's the one with Jennifer Lawrence. She comes back as a, a wounded veteran from Afghanistan. Wait, what? I'm not big comeback for her, but yeah. He steals the movie pretty much, but um, yeah, I, I, did I tell you my my theory with the nominations this year? That it was pretty Netflix heavy, and isn't it Netflix YouTube channel is the only one broadcasting the awards this year? So just wondered if there was some uh, they were just. I don't think Netflix, Netflix broadcasting the awards. Yeah, no, Netflix Netflix has the rights to the SAG Awards now. This year, they're they showing do? them on their YouTube channel, and next year, they'll actually be on Netflix. Oh. Did, you, did you ever think you'd see the day when you'd be watching the Golden Globes on YouTube? <laughs> well, I mean, if you think back to when we were growing up, YouTube didn't exist, so we wouldn't have even considered that it would be anywhere but on regular TV. Well, but, you know, I'm used to watching, you know, my my astrology videos, soap opera updates, you know, yeah. Bravo, end- Real Housewives updates, and now there's, like, the Golden Globes. At the end of the yeah. day, though, it's just a content delivery system. It's no d- different than getting it over a signal over the air on a TV box. So, so yeah, I can less. watch... I can I can watch the update of Jen Shaw from the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City and then go on to 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 A list actors. <laughs> yeah, that crap was on our TV. My brother was here last week and he put on like Peacock and honestly that Real Housewives it just ran and ran and ran because I don't really watch what's on I don't really watch what's on TV. So my mom just kind of sat there. She she watched as well. It was oh. on for like twelve hours, like eight hours. Yeah, <laughs> Because I'm not going to change the channel. I, to me, the, the most of what the, what's the TV is white noise. Because I'm watch I'm watching my own stuff and I'm reading and doing things. But okay, so, so Kurt, play, what did play. you learn? What did Nothing. you learn with the Real Housewives? There was another show where it was like a gay wedding going on. Is that like a Real Housewives show, or is that something else? Uh, and and they're planning the wedding. Was it was it Bridezilla's? Was it Married at First Sight? Was I don't it? Know. You it was know, well, Married at First Sight—that's like a, a lifetime show, show, right? Shot like that. Oh, I'm sorry. What was that? I said Married at First Sight's a lifetime show. I think so. I don't yes. think it would have been that. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. 
Um, Married at First Sight is very good. I am a Married at First Sight watcher. <laughs> but um but yeah it's 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 you know last week i was in Flo- oh my god speaking of yelled at i got kind of yelled at last week when i was in florida oh is this like so, the the backpack incident at the museum no it was not okay so i was so i was um there in florida doing the orlando mini winter fringe festival which actually was great and i had a great time doing it and my show did very well but one day, um, a bunch of the artists went out for breakfast. And so um, I, um, I was catching up with people, and I was actually talking about Kirk Fitzpatrick, because your name came up, and I was like, oh, he's the co-host on my, on my podcast. You got yelled at? And someone yelled at me like, oh, gee, why don't you brag about having a podcast? And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Was it the ghost of Paul Newman? <laughs> right? Is it somebody? Is that somebody I know who did you that? Probably that? do. I'll tell you later. I'll tell you after we record. That is the most bizarre thing to get upset about. Like, so what did you say? Well, and, and, and at first, because at first I thought they were joking, and I was like, "Oh my god, they're serious!" And I'm like, you know, I'm like, it's not like we're raking in millions of bucks in you know the podcast that I do from our guest room. You know, it's like, well, also like you could literally start a podcast right there in that moment. Right. Right, There's literally no barrier to entry other than having internet. You, you too, for $14, for $14 a month, you too can have a podcast. You don't even need to spend that. Money, have a podcast. Yes. Right. Get yourself a ham radio. So yeah, I was just like that the AM airwaves. Yeah, that's great. I love that. I'd like to know more details. We 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 can't talk about. I don't know yeah. who it was, but <laughs> I can only imagine. I'll tell I'll tell you who later. But yeah, I was just like I was like, jeez, you know. I love, it, it, I love stuff like that because <laughs> it's like you just can't please some people, <laughs> right? Well, that's next week's next week's guest, right? <clears throat> right. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, that'd be great. Right. It's like, you know, heaven forbid, like, you know, he would have probably would have murdered me if I told him that I shot a TV pilot over the summer. I probably would have been like, you know, <laughs> you'd be talking oh, so, about ghosts. This, so this was a he? Yes. So and I'll leave it at that. I'll leave we're it narrowing that. it down. Okay. I'll leave it at that. Because you saw <laughs> you saw the picture. So it's it, you've got a, a, a wide variety of people to choose from. It's basically like gla- the glass onion of French. Because there was like quite a few people there. Were any of them wearing fabulous okay. outfits that should be written about on DailyMail.com.uk? <laughs> oh, like uh, like Kate Hudson's outfits, or or like you know someone that we talk about every no. week on the show. It's a segue. Oh, mm. oh, well, nice. you know, you mean like Black China? Is there any Black China news? Doing a piece of China, China, China. I'm talking China. Black China Report. Here's Kurt Fitzpatrick. I'm embarrassed to, you know, it's because he's going to lose respect for me. But that's okay. Here we go. This is the Black China news. I couldn't find any recent news, so I have to do a throwback here. This oh, is an this... evergreen story. Okay. Um, this was actually from April of last year. Uh, the headline is Black China commands courtroom attention in pristine white suit and metallic heels for Kardashian Jenner trial. Uh, This is from Yahoo News. Uh, Black China is currently spending her days in Los Angeles Superior Court. 
with the Kardashian-Jenners as a result of her $100 million defamation lawsuit against the famous family. While the model and socialite is no doubt dealing with a very tense trial, she's doing it so in impeccable style. This is a high-profile trial, after all. The walk to the courthouse might be as might be a red carpet, uh, paparazzi included. Okay. Uh, yesterday, Black China arrived in the L.A. courthouse wearing an all-white suit and, and carrying a con- contrasting black bag. The suit blazer was tailored to the star's frame with bold shoulder, pu- shoulder pads, adding a structured touch to the jacket. Her matching white trousers featured a wide-flowing cut, which draped gorgeously down her legs as she walked down walked into the trial. According to her stylist, Holly Larry, the suit is a custom Alexandra Valtier number with Sergio Rossi heels. Though the drape of the star's trousers makes it difficult to decipher the exact shoe style. The shoe, however, featured a thin, high stiletto heel and appears to be silver metallic in color. For makeup, the star went full glam with a sultry eye look and a nude pout. She wore her bleached hair and finger waves, adding to the already sleek look. For jewelry, the star the star wore minimal diamond stud earrings, otherwise remaining jewelry free. Um, and then it's uh, then it's Black China wore the look to the second day of court proceedings for her defamation lawsuit against the Keeping Up with the Kardashian Stars. The lawsuit, which was filed in 2017, alleges that the fame family stunted her reality TV career, causing her e-show with ex Rob Kardashian, who is the father of her daughter Dream, to be canceled after one season. The Kardashians Jenner's claimed the show, titled Rob and China couldn't have continued due to the tumultuous breakup of the couple's relationship. The famous family also alleges the show was never removed, renewed for a second season regardless. The trial is expected to last for 10 days. Of course, this is from a year ago, but I think it's an evergreen story. I like this only because it sounded like the kind of copy that's read at a fashion show. It was <laughs> it was way more specific than the, than the Black China outfit descriptions normally are. Yeah, yeah it, they made use. They made good use of their words in this. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Down to finger. Let's see if I can find the author's name. Let's see. And, and okay. Who was it? I was going to give the author some credit. It's uh, this. That article was written by Katie Dupier. Oh, good so. job, Katie. K- Katie's uh, got a future as a fashion writer for sure. Yeah. Very good. Much better than a lot of the other articles we read, where it just seems to be filler. And, and, and we, yeah, you said last week's. Last week's was like repeated phrases. It was you were thinking it was paid by the the word type of thing. Or yeah, like, I think I think they are. Yeah. Type yeah. Of thing? Well, a lot of times they have like an Instagram post that there isn't much more to say other than Black China posted to Instagram, so they need to fill out the story. Yeah. Right. And, Sell the, and, an then ad they, and then they go through old like old stuff we already know. And then they throw in, and she chased Rob Kardashian with a car around the room and tried to hit him yeah. and strangled him with, you know, a, a phone cord. Well, actually, it started as a phone cord, and then didn't it grow to, like, you know? Well, it was a phone cord, and then there was, like, a, a small metal pole, which then became a six-foot metal pole, which then became, like, it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. right. You're lucky Black China's not wasn't sitting at that Orlando uh breakfast table oh you with that only fans page aren't you something special right <laughs> <laughs> jason do you follow black china news do i follow it yeah do you follow the black china news no other than when i listen to your show i uh, we, we are your your black china news source yes you are my my primary source uh <laughs> How, how, how did the uh, focus on Black China 
creep into the show. Kurt, would you? I don't have an answer to that because I don't remember when this originated. About two years ago, it was right around the time when all of the the college admission scandal stuff was uh, happening, and we were talking about Lori Loughlin, and Les, I think, just made a very casual reference to Black China. And I had heard of her, but didn't really know who she was. Kurt had never even heard of her. And so then we started going down a Google rabbit hole of finding out information about Black China. So then Kurt just started bringing news, and then we just turned it into a weekly feature. And, and I think it was Kurt that I was making the name up, too. And I was like, no, it's a person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, so they make me do a, an update. Oh, by the way... Uh, it's this is difficult because there's, there's two people on the show with the same name now. So Jason Debray, you heard yeah. our episode where I did the rap song, right? Oh yeah, y- yes. I'm very yeah, proud that of that. Really good. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, that's what led into eight, the eight mile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that I'm fishing for compliments. <laughs> Well, also, I, I would like to apologize because I, I was giving you crap, Kurt, about not thinking that song was a, a contemporary Nicki Minaj song, and it, it's a, actually a current song. So I stand corrected, and I apologize. I was wrong. Oh, that's okay. It's, yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> Kurt and I first met fishing for compliments when I, I ended up in this weird gig where I was reviewing uh, plays at the Saskatoon Fringe Festival. Oh, and- um, our main paper, the the critic, and they don't do a very good job. They just, I think it's like they get people from like the business section to go and review plays, and they just don't know anything about theater. But um, I think you, you'd received kind of a, a bad notice from our uh, our wonderful critics in our, our paper. But I saw your show, and I, I I mean I'm not sure I I had a different take on it than than when after I talked to you afterwards about it. But uh, it, it was exactly my thing, and so then I was able to like write this piece where you could actually get a, a usable quote out of uh out of it and so then that's how we actually ended up meeting and then you did yeah no i greatly yeah. appreciate that because it was a show i was doing called the last straight man in theater and like some people just, just hated it and but but other people loved it it was like either like loved it or hated it so yeah. i remember that yeah, you gave me a great review I, yeah. I thought i thought you were kind of going from a david lynch point of view with some of the stuff I, you were doing but you're saying it was a bit kids in the hall so no i think it was i i, I could see David Lynch. I like David Lynch a lot. I think anyway. I got a kids in the hall. I think I got a kids in the hall comparison with, I was, I was playing women. I was playing female characters, but David Lynch is definitely a hero of mine. So. Yeah. Anyway, that's how we first met. And then, yeah, we managed to stay in touch. And then I don't know. I don't know. I, I just must've reached out to you at some point with uh, guesting on the podcast and you were willing to do it. And, what 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 did what did yeah, you think good. when Kurt said, "Hey, let's watch a Lifetime movie starring Sybil Shepherd and Steve Gutenberg"? I I was all for it. I at some point I'll tell you my Sybil Shepherd story because I have a Sybil Shepherd story. <gasps> Ooh, um, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um. But I thought, okay, I haven't seen Steve Gutenberg in in ages, so I want to see what he looks like right now. Um. And I I mean I. I wasn't a Steve Gutenberg hater. Like he became a punchline I think, for a little while. Isn't he in, um, he's in that one of the songs in the Simpsons, uh, the, when they have the like stonemasons thing. Uh, oh, and they're like, mm-hmm. who gave Stu- Steve Gutenberg, who made Steve Gutenberg a star? We did, we did. They have all these kind of catchy lines like that. But, um, 
I grew up watching like <laughs> three men and a baby in police Academy and all of these, these things. So I was like curious to see him and then just fascinated with what Sybil Shepherd was going to uh, do because I, <clears throat> I'm not sure meeting her is the right term for it, but I, uh, years ago when I was in New York, um, she was on Broadway in uh, the revival of Gore, uh, Gore Vidal's The Best Man. Candace Bergen had been in that role, and she had she had moved on, and this was the middle of July, so they were kind of moving into their second cast, and she had taken over Candace Bergen's role. And and so then I uh, I did the uh, New York Broadway tourist thing and stood there to see which celebrities would come up and say hi, because it was an all-star cast. It was like... Angela Lansbury, may she rest in peace, was in nice. it. James Earl Jones, John Stamos, speaking over for Eric McCormick, John oh. Larroquette, who stole the whole show, was in, it was it was just uh, wow. a who's who of like childhood heroes and stuff in this thing. So, um, and Sybil Shepherd, she came out, and I did this thing, which I and I could kick myself. I I I know you don't do, you don't mention work that they have done in the past. You, you know, if you're going to say something, say something about what they have performed that evening or that afternoon. But I, I think I said something nice about Taxi Driver. She gave me this look like she was thought she was like looking at Travis Bickle Jr. here or something like that. And so she just was like being very kind of cautious <laughs> or whatever. But um, yeah, so that's that's the extent of my story. But I, I read afterwards, I, I've heard over the years that she is maybe not the easiest person to work with and that uh, she had that sitcom mm -hmm. where she wasn't very nice to a lot of people. I don't know how much of that is true or not, but anyway, I, I've, I've certainly followed her career. I just watched this, this uh, Peter Bogdanovich movie, Daisy Miller. Has, have any of you seen that? Yeah. I've, I've heard, heard of that. that. Yeah. She yeah. did a couple of movies with him that bombed mm -hmm. after. Yeah. Well, they were, they were together. Of show. course she took him away from his, I don't know if it was his first wife or whatever, but uh, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, so, I know that story. He, he's when I, producing. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Jason. I was just gonna say, like, I mean, she's always struck me as a pretty good actor, you know, no matter what goes on in the background. But so I thought, well, if nothing else, this, you know, at least these two actors, I'll be able to anchor mm -hmm. the story on the two actors. But I. I, I, I might say one of them is putting in a good effort and I don't know about the rest of it, but we'll, I guess we'll get into the, the plot in a minute here. What were you going to say, Kurt? Oh, I was just going to, I was just going to point out. Yes. Uh, Peter McDonovich was married to a woman named, I believe her name was Polly Platt. And she was the, the producer. She was, she was one of the, she was, the, she was like a co-producer producer on the last picture show. And while they're making the movie, he leaves his wife for Sybil Shepherd, who's in the movie. It's awful. Wasn't she really young when she was in that? Yeah. Yeah. It was. Yeah. yeah there was an age difference. Was sure. she over 18? Barely. I think so. Yeah. Barely. She had some, mind you, it was the the early, late 60s, early 70s, and they didn't care as much, but I, there was some new, brief nudity in that. Mm -hmm. but, yeah. But again, I guess, like, that was the same time Zafrelli had the Romeo and Juliet with the underage Juliet. Yeah, but I think Sybil Shepherd was of age, and she kind of worked her way through the cast. She like briefly dated Timothy Bottoms, briefly dated Jeff Bridges, and then she got to. How long was the Peter shoot? <laughs> I don't. Well, she was also 
dating Elvis. Uh, I think I did know that. Period of time. She wow. dated yeah. Elvis for a little while. Yeah. She wow. was very busy. Wow. Yeah. I consider the young Sybil Shepherd. I think she was what you, what you call a dangerous woman. Like she was playing a lot of mm. men, it seems. Well, in this movie, she was a dangerous woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I give her I give her credit though because I did revisit Moonlighting recently, and she's and she's great on that show. Maddie Hayes. Yeah, Maddie Hayes. Oh, she's got career. she's got chops. I mean, she this this Sybil Shepherd. I watched the show. I was like, I didn't. I guess I knew this when I watched it as a kid, but she is real comedic chop. She's it, solid. And they, they're cramming so much fast dialogue into that show, too. It's very Gilmore Girls and just the, the pace and how they're kind of talking over each other and talking really fast. Yeah. Wow. But yeah, that was, that, was, that was a great vehicle for her. Well, yeah. well you know, let's get into this. Um, How to Murder Your Husband, the Nancy Brophy story from Lifetime. Now, first of all, I I didn't know that it was going to be a rip from the headlines. That's a true story. But as far as the ripped um, from the headlines movies that we watched in the past, this was actually, for me, it actually was not bad as a rip from the headlines movie. Huh. This was an unusual movie, yeah. I think. Just the pacing of it was weird. Like the, I have a theory about that. Actually, the tone of it was weird. And, yeah. may, and maybe I'm being too forgiving because I did not think this was good at all. Uh, but I think it was a choice, possibly, that because this character Nancy is a is um uh a mystery writer and by all accounts, not a very good one. I, it felt almost like this was a story that was being told by Nancy, the writer. Right. And, and, and don't, and, and, and I'm not saying the movie was good by any means, but (laughs) normally when we watch rip to the headline, rip from the headlines movies, it's just kind of, there's kind of this layer of, Oh my God, this is awful. Right. But with this, it was actually like they took a stab at, no pun intended, they took a stab at comedy with this movie and they tried to make it funny. And so on that end, I was like, oh, okay, because I didn't realize it was actually ripped from the headlines until like a couple of minutes in. And I was like, oh, shit, this is like a true story. What, What did you think was comedic about this? Well, you know, I love a good voiceover, you know, and, and, and it was, she was, and it just, in the beginning, even her tone, it wasn't like this serious tone. It was like, oh, well, you know, I wrote this book and I just thought about, I looked at my husband and just wanted to kill him. But it wasn't like this, like, ominous tone. It was like, she was kind of like making light of it. Very, matter of fact, yeah, I, I have a theory about her performance because it seemed like, Throughout most of the movie, it looked like she was about ready to fall asleep. And I think that... You and me both, sister. I have a theory about this. I think that Sybil doesn't really... You know, she she doesn't work all the time like a lot of actors. And I think she's used to taking afternoon naps. (laughs) She had to actually go to work. (laughs) She she was getting kind of sleepy. I also think that the lunches, I think she kind of carved up a bit. 
There is a yeah, moment no, in the movie where she has to get down on her knees to fix this floor tile. And when she got down there, I was like, oh, I hope she's able to get back up. And now that you say it, that maybe she was napping, maybe she just got down there. She's like, hey, guys, I just need five. But I, I think they I, took a lunch break at that point. She slept for an hour. But this I moment wonder, in ageism has brought you by. <laughs> exactly. But, but I'm wondering if we're, I'm wondering if the real woman, if that's how she was, you she's know, sleepy that, too? that she was just very lethargic and, you know, um, I, I, I don't wonder, know about did that. See, did you see like the 10 minute mini documentary piece after? No, no. I watched, I watched part of that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw the real I, I, woman. Watch the whole whole thing, like, uh, and, and she doesn't really look anything like Sybil Shepherd. Not at all. But surprisingly, no, no. the husband and Steve Gutenberg look exactly alike now. That is, and I, yeah, yeah. And, and and I tell you, because yeah, let's get started, and then I will throw let's in my thoughts about Steve Gutenberg in this movie. There's a lot to cover okay. here. Yeah. Uh, okay, so. We are in Oregon and we see this, we see this car, the car's driving. It looks like it's in a bad part of town. Then we see Steve Gutenberg and he's sharpening knives. And my first thought was, oh my God, what happened to him? I didn't know it was him at first. I knew he was in this movie, but when he was sharpening the knives, I didn't know that was Steve Gutenberg. I was like, holy shit, what happened to him? Also, having having grown up around kitchens, because my dad was a chef when I was younger, I didn't understand why he went from sharpening knives to getting a bag of ice out of the freezer. (laughs) (laughs) What dish is he making? I remember Steve Good. Looks cool. My 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 first foray into gayness was uh, that movie Can't Stop the Music, and it was Steve Gutenberg. The village people and Bruce Jenner were. <laughs> it is gloriously bad. I, that was directed by Nancy Walker, the quicker picker yeah. upper. Yep. Yeah. And, and so, wrote so his mom. My image, that's my image of Steve Gutenberg with the dolphin shorts and the tank tops. So I was just like, oh my God, Steve, what happened to you? And as when you asked that on our thread, I said the passage of time. I mean, this is 45 years after that movie, Les. But come on. You're not going to be alive. Yeah. Well, Sybil's not. Sybil doesn't look like she did back in 1971. Right. But she's, you know. No, no. But, you know. I, she, she, I think she, she she looks a little bit, I don't know if healthy is the right word, but maybe healthier than Steve Gutenberg looks right yeah. now. But I, I thought the sharpening of the knives, that's kind of like, this is a, a big, the director's big vision for this opening shot. And we're dealing with a murder show here. And this is going to be exciting. And look at the sharp objects that this guy might be murdered by, you know. Um, but there's no real logic uh, to that scene at, at all. I my, my theory on it, it, because a lot of times these movies don't have huge budgets. I think they had rented out this kitchen mm-hmm. and nobody from the props department thought to actually get some food items for him to be preparing. So they looked around the kitchen like, what's still here? Oh, there's some knives here. Uh, there's no food in the, in the fridge, but there's some ice in the freezer. We've got to make right. him look like he's doing kitchen busy work. What, what happened to all the the mushrooms that they had in the other scenes? Can they have brought kept those and brought those into that? 
That's yeah, it. it was in the mushrooms. They, they went to craft services. Uh, one of the chickens could have been there. And, you know, <laughs> the chickens. Now, 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 so he gets shot, right? But mm-hmm. I didn't hear... I was, but I was wondering, was there like a silencer on the gun or something? Because he got shot, but we didn't hear any gunshots. No, I thought There's he got no shot by the uh, the freezer. Yeah, initially, I was like, where did that come from? But it's because it's to be a surprise. Who does the shooting? Yeah, because we we don't know what the title of this movie is called. So it, it was it was a, a shock to me. Right <laughs> when. Yeah, when it all started to make sense towards the end. But what? It's a mystery. Did you notice also there was no bullet hole in the freezer that he was standing in front of when he got shot? None. And it barely looked like he got shot because, all, like, you saw the blood seeping down, so you knew he was shot by seeing, like, the little trail of blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was about it. Yeah. Well, wouldn't the – is it possible that the bullet would still be in – inside him it's possible but not super probable because whoever shot him was not that far away um it, it would have gone through his body almost it certainly two shots, yeah. too. It, it, wound. it was two shots so he would have like i think been bloodier than he was is there another shooter oh a theory yeah Ooh. Ooh. was there a grassy knoll in that yeah. kitchen right that's where the yeah. mushrooms are they're they're growing over in the grassy knoll Historians will be discussing this movie for years. So, so audience, listen. <laughs> if you are going to commit a crime, if you are going to commit murder, do not use a minivan that is dented and obviously dented and a minivan that could definitely be pegged on you <laughs> as your getaway car, you idiot. Yeah, speaking of that, I did find it maybe borderline unnerving that this movie actually did have some helpful hints on how to kill somebody. Such as? <laughs> oh, how to, how to, how to properly uh, disassemble a gun so it looks like it wasn't the murder weapon. It's like, I didn't know that. Right. Now, we'll get to that. Now, she was being recorded, like the band, the getaway band, was being recorded the entire time, you know? So she wasn't going to fool anybody. And so then here's another deal too. (laughs) If you're going to murder your spouse and you show up at the scene and someone tells you that your spouse is dead, like the the woman told her that, that her spouse was dead and Sybil looked like the woman said, Hey, you know what? They didn't have the pizza you wanted. Mm-hmm. Like she just kind of looked at. Her. Well, this is Sybil. I think this was shot right after lunch. I think this is one of those. <laughs> <you know. laughs> I'm like, <laughs> that I'm scene like, was. At least fake some tears. Come on. Well, it's your husband. And, and yeah. then, <laughs> and, and, and then I didn't know about you guys because as they started taking the body away, I started thinking like, whatever happened to Mister Pesto. Remember from Moonlighting? Oh, yes. That's what you're thinking about. Elise Beasley. Yes. She was on that. She was on a Netflix show uh, a couple years ago. Who? Alice DePesto? Elise Beasley was the actress's name. She was, I forget what it was. There was a show with, there was a show with Jonah Hill and um, La La Land. Oh, ma- ma- Maniac? Maniac. Yeah, I was an extra on that show, actually. Oh, did you see Mr. Yeah. DePesto? No, but she was on it. She had like a, 
supporting role in it. Yeah. Did you audition for her role? Emma Stone. <laughs> I could do it, man. Wait, Elise Beasley is only two years older than me. What the hell? Wait, Jesus. Wait, that's wait. Depressing. No, that's impossible. So she that means she's younger than me. No. Are you sure? I no, just you're, saw you're the year nineteen. Oh. Let me double check. Uh, oh no, I, I take that. That was her, her the year of her marriage. Married okay, in nineteen seventy. Like, oh, she married the guy in Ghost. Uh, yes. the, the guy who says "Get off my train." That that guy. That was her husband. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. So. No, they were yeah. married for years. Okay. Um. Yeah, so so okay. then so, so then Sybil is getting interrogated. And that's when we find out she's a suspense writer. And we find out that Steve is a chef. And they they have chickens and he loves to talk to the chickens. And it, I guess the chickens just kind of freely walk around their house. They do. They have full reign of this house. They, they show up in nearly every scene. And the house is kind of a dump. This is like the, the, the run of friends when they had the duck. Right. The duck and the chick. That seemed a little bit more in control on Friends. Yeah, you know? yeah. I know. And so the thing, that confused, the thing that kind of confused me about this movie, and I didn't know, because so if the movie starts out, and he's really nice to her, and it seemed like they were in love. Yeah, the, this entire movie, actually, you never see... Uh, other than, uh, and I'm jumping a little bit ahead here, but other than the the potential insurance fraud here, you don't see any motivation for her to want to kill him. Right, right. She doesn't seem like, bothered by him. She seems to really love him. Right, and it turns out he's like bringing her gourmet food and he's being really nice to her. And, um, you know. And the Christmas thing was not jumping way ahead, but the Christmas thing was a bit cruel. I well, think. yeah. But that, yeah, that, that was a bad move. Uh, but, yeah, I sided that, with her on that one. The but that, I be think that was more because he was dumb. Because he was dumb. He was dumb. He was very dumb. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> and they dumb. were getting it on too. They were they were uh, making the beast with two backs. Yeah, as like the kids a lot. Say. A lot. Do and the how, kids say how that? How old? I have their ages. How, what's that? I said, do the kids say that? Yeah, that's I work in high school. I've never heard the kids say that, but you know, yeah, they're in on their sex conversations. And, and, and that's probably something you shouldn't ask the kids if they say no. either, Jason. No. Right. No, 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 no. Any kids here saying the beast with two backs? Please, uh, please raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. I'll, so, how, 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 old do you think, how old do you think these Sybil Shepherd and Steve Gutenberg are? Um, Sybil Shepherd, is she getting close to 80? I, I'm going to say yeah, Sybil is 74. Okay. And I, I'm going to say Steve is probably 71. Yeah, I, I would, and I would go maybe even late 60s for Steve. Mm-hmm. Early 70s for Steve. Yeah, And Les, what do you think about uh, Sybil Shepard? How old Sybil, I would say Sybil is probably closer to 80 than not. Hmm. All right. Well, Sybil Shepherd's seventy-two. Oh. oh. Poor Steve Goodberg's sixty-four. What? That's a hard living. It's been hard two years for poor Steve. Wow. Damn. That's a yeah. hard sixty-four. That's a hard years put in with that short circuit robot. 
number five. five. Can't stop the music and can't stop the passage of time. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> yeah, great. We're all immune from that. Why, why couldn't there have been like 10 more police academies? Because then he could have like kept working and kept thing, you know, kept in shape. And He you know, stopped changed. doing them after a while, though. He stopped after part five, part four. Right. Yeah, he didn't like do all of them. He would have made a return. So, so like how Vin Diesel came back to the Fast and Furious uh, saga. Probably they yeah. can work. They can work Steve Gutenberg back into the uh, the fold. Right. Yeah, I'd rather see Steve Gutenberg back in the police academy than Vin Diesel back in any of those Fast and Furious. Well, you know, I with the, all the reboots, who knows? I bet they'll reboot police academy in the next few years surprised they haven't i bet speaking of reboots kurt what did you think of the the night court reboot night court reboot is not funny the jokes are falling flat (laughs) but they gotta punch up the jokes everything else is in place uh john larrikett is a pro better than ever the woman what's her name melissa roch rauk Rock. Yeah. Rock. She's yeah. good. Everybody's good on the show. They just, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a throwback. Yeah. She's supposed to be his, she's supposed to be Harry Anderson's daughter. Mm. Um, so I say it's not funny just cause the, the, I mean, the, they are working hard to deliver the, the jokes, but they really need to punch that up. But it's a, it's a, it's definitely a throwback to the sitcoms of yesteryear. Okay. Like, so I'd like to see it, but it's pure nostalgia. Like I, I, I have zero, zero, zero expectations, but I love John yeah. it, It's I, been it, my it, experience with any of these reboots. The ones that have all of the original cast and have sort of the same elements of the original show, are I, I'm able to watch them. The ones where <laughs> they've got like a few of the cast members and they try and rework the premise a bit, like the Murphy Brown one, are just unwatchable. That Murphy Brown from a couple of years ago was one of the worst things I've ever seen. Right. They did a reboot of Mad About You, and nobody even wanted it. Like, they actually shot all these episodes, and like nobody wanted it. NBC passed on it. NBC yeah. passed on it and they sold it to Spectrum. So it was, it was only shown <laughs> in markets where you had Spectrum cable. <laughs> nope. Could you imagine, though? Could you imagine, though? NBC's like, who told you that we wanted <laughs> that we wanted a reboot? Yeah. We would have told you not to make it. Did anybody? Well, watch we that just thought it was. I show? loved Mad About You back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Oh. I didn't really watch it. There, there, there's a Thanksgiving episode that uh, after WKRP is my favorite uh, episode about Thanksgiving of TV of all time. That one? Mad about, about you. Mad about you, yeah. But I just, what's the other one I heard about was that 90s show. So they've done a, a reboot of the, that, that 70s? Yeah. Yeah. That's on yeah, Netflix. I, I just heard about it. It was generating some news on my phone earlier this week, but... I didn't know that was even coming out. It came out this yeah. week. And most of the original cast is at least making cameos in it because it's their kids. Oh, yeah. And they're living. It's and, and, and like, what's his name? Um, uh, Topher Grace, his character's daughter, it co- goes to live with the grandparents. So Red and Kitty are on it again. Mm-hmm. So it's a kind of Fuller House formula. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Yeah, I didn't seek out 
night court. It was just like I said, the TV's on like like white noise. That was on, so I was like, mm-hmm. so I took it in as much as I could. Well, and you hear that theme song, you can't not watch. That right. that was there. Yeah, they have a theme song. Could could there be a crossover of the Real Housewives of Salt oh. Lake City and Night Court? Ooh, why Real Housewives? Like, I like I, I, them all in, into the Night Court. Right. That I would just zone out. I can't. Real Housewives. I don't. I don't know. So, anyway, speaking of housewives, yeah, yeah, back to this. Like, Sybil's like live, living her life. Steve is like making her gourmet food. She's writing her. She's writing her books and stuff. And, <laughs> and nobody likes. And then she makes this joke. She's like, "Well, well." She says something about killing your husband. And then she makes the joke, I don't like jumpsuits. Oh, it's it's something like not getting caught killing your husband. And she's like, I don't like jumpsuits and orange isn't my color. Well, that was in her blog post literally called How to Murder Your Husband. Murder Your Husband. A a, a fun, weird fact about that that I learned from that documentary afterwards, because we, we, we sadly see her in a jumpsuit, an orange jumpsuit later on, but the real woman ended up in blue jumpsuits. Oh, there you go. Oh. Yeah, so they didn't actually have orange as much as she doesn't. So she didn't have to wear an orange jumpsuit. So you got to be happy for her with that. So there, there you go. A blue jumpsuit. That's that basically out. hospital scrubs at that point. Right. Huh. It would, I would think it would look similar, but yeah. They, they had a, a picture of her in her 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 blue outfit in prison. So, so, so then we see like a, a reenactment or whatever. What would you call it? A, a scene from one of Sybil's. One of her stories, one of her books. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Yes. I thought they were going to do more of that. It's only like a couple segments where they they do that. I, I was worried worried about it. I thought this maybe maybe this is going to be half the movie, and they they just have Sybil Shepherd and Steve Gutenberg in a little bit of it, and the rest of it is going to be about this the story within a story, but. It would have been more of a unifying tone, I think, if it had they done that. I don't know that it would have been good, but it, it would have at least felt more uniform if they kept like going back to that. Would have been happy with that. I don't think she wanted to go to work. Yeah, but like the, the flashbacks and the divine secrets of the Yaya yeah, yeah sisterhood. How that made that movie just flow so 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 beautifully. Oh, right? That's sure. yeah. bad one. It really Luckily did. I watched some quality stuff. I catch some good stuff. Oh, we reviewed okay. the Godfather. <laughs> Godfather? Yeah, we, we, we've got a lot to talk about. Oh, I love that. Oh, so so she finishes reading her her chapter, and she's a, and and she's in this writing group, and all of these people are dicks, like all of them. They are. They're terrible. All of them, and they're just <laughs> and they're just kind of looking at her. And I noticed that one of the women at the table was like a Liza Minnelli lookalike. Like she totally looked like Liza Minnelli. And and so, um, yeah, we, we talked about the, these people being dicks. They absolutely were. But what's her deal that she kept going back to this group? She didn't like them. They clearly didn't like her. Why keep going back to that welfare punishment? Well, who were they? Was this like a support group? It's just there a was, writing group. It was like a it's social a writers workshop. A writers, yeah, yeah, like a workshop. A writers circle. Okay. Yeah. It was. Like, it was like they a, might be the only people who like to write. And like romance novels in this town, because they yeah, were in, in Portland, or were they? Like it was a town. Somewhere. They weren't like in a major. City yeah, or anything. I don't think it was Portland, but yeah, it was, no. it was definitely Oregon. Though. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. they weren't her friends. I don't think. No. Like, 
They openly mocked her at the, like, they totally just mocked her at the table to her face. Yeah, like, it would have made more sense just in the way this story was told if she murdered them versus murdering her husband. Yeah, yeah, and if she would have murdered them, probably wouldn't even gone to prison for it because they were that horrible. Yeah, I think the judge would be like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, and the jury would convict her. So then we, but then we quickly realized because she starts getting the rejection. We quickly realized that she just can't write like that. She has no writing talent. No. She's oblivious. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes her writing. Okay, so so this Except next, so they cut back to the school, and I actually want this outfit for next Halloween. Oh yes, I loved this outfit because. Cause so he so Steve Steve works for a culinary school, and so in this scene he was dressed up like a slab of meat, like an animal with the different parts of meat, and so all of the kids had to go and figure out which part of the meat was which and put post-its on. It was a bit, little bit like pin the tail on the donkey, except it was pin the slab of meat on Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, but I love that. I love that outfit though. And I really do want to try to get it. it. Was, I thought it was a little weird. I mean, your, your teacher's bent over. Like, oh, what's going on there? I legit felt there. bad for Steve Gutenberg. I'm like, this poor guy hasn't been in a movie in like 30 years. And they're like, okay, you know, we're going to let you back into the club, Steve. But you have to put on this fucking costume and climb on a table. <laughs> a meat outfit. Yeah. I'll be on all four. What, what's crueler than show business? Right. Nothing. <laughs> You know, I, I do have to admire the guy. Like, I, I, I think he put his all into this performance. I mean, he... He did, yeah. yeah. If there's any energy in this film, it's mm-hmm. coming from him. Yeah. He doesn't right. have great things to say or do, but he he does them, and he does them happily, so that's good for him. I'm going to archive this movie, because I could watch the Civil Shepherd scenes to help me fall asleep, and then in the morning, <laughs> it's a wake-me-up, I get that the Steve Gutenberg scenes on. <laughs> He's probably like, she's so sleepy that I got to put some extra energy in this just because, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. He's absolutely well, trying to bring, him, bring up the energy. She tells him at one point that half of him is this is what was the strength of two men. She says something like that. <laughs> oh, so oh, so Stibble shows up in class, and he calls her the management. That's what he calls her to all the kids, like the management's here. And, I like and, that. And still, I keep on, like, still throughout this movie – He's like the guy's like extremely nice to her, like really nice to her. Yeah, I, it, he it's is. you know nice what writing. I think would have made more sense is if they played up the fact that she was she was the one making the business decisions and he was the carefree one that didn't want any part of that, and that's where the tension in their marriage would come from. But they never mm-hmm. put tension between them, right? And I would say I like the idea that he's a nice guy because in most of these movies, he'd be some sort of abusive jerk or verbally abusive or something like that. And then we're just on this. Oh yeah, go ahead and kill him. That's kind of a, a flipping of roles that but it's got there's some right of potential in it. I don't know. Cause the thing is yeah. he wasn't even annoyed. Like he wasn't even annoying. He was just, you know, he's just kind of there. I don't know. Those chickens well, were fucking annoying. The, the, the focus on mushrooms and the chickens and he's all, he's only talking about food and cooking all the time. 
and he's saying nice things about her writing. Then he transitions into food. Like that sounds good to me. I want someone around complimenting my writing and making me food all day. What more do I need? It's the mothership yeah. calling home. She's getting laid. Do you want live chickens in your place? Like flying by you um, when you're having friends or like yeah, kind over? of. You do kind of. <laughs> Oh, and, and then obviously they had a lot of sex because they did like sexy proofreading. Yeah. Sexy Their foreplay was- creeped me the fuck out. That, they were literally proofreading her work. I thought, oh, yeah. this is kind of, okay, this is going to lead into, uh, it's not going to be, you know, it's lifetime. They aren't going to go too far with this. But I thought, oh, this is kind of their their foreplay. And then they're in bed and they're actually proofreading her work. So I I, I guess doing it. it's creepy, but I got amusement out of it. But she's getting it on the regular, you know? She was yeah. Getting- and I tell you, the one thing I did like about this movie that is unusual is that I enjoy uh, when people are in financial turmoil and they have to kind of, <laughs> and, and then they have to kind of work it, work it out to kind of make, cause then I'm, I'm watching, I'm kind of trying to figure out oh, what could she do? Cause I don't know. I, I've, I have an interest in like crunching numbers so I, I enjoy watching and thinking, well, how could she get herself out? What could she, what could she do? What kind of, you know? Is, is it, is it the number crunching that fascinates you or is it this sort of solving of the puzzle? It's, there's something interesting to me about, about, I guess you could say that finances are kind of interesting and like, and like the negotiating bills and things like that, that I just have, I just have an interest in that. I've, I've, I've helped people with uh, stuff like that before. Okay. I think if they had a casting change and it was Mary Louise Parker, then she could have sold weed to that uh, writer's group. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Oh, that and was a good show. And they okay. could have uh, fixed up their house. See, if I Sybil, weed. Weed. If Sybil had show. some weaves, she'd be way more creative. Yeah, I used to love weeds. Yeah. It's um, also interesting how people just sort of get their, their, their finances kind of get away from them and they have to kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it, it's an interest. Oh, so 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 then Sybil, we see her, and she's googling places to travel to, and so she's fixated on Portugal for some reason. Um, and so this next part, so Steve and and Sybil, like I get, he's a good like he feeds the homeless, right? And and yep. so the so his mom is there, and he and his mom looked like they were around the same age. Hmm. Yeah, she did not look much she's older. A tad. Okay. Karen, his mom. Um, and, oh, and so they had a cater- they had a catering business as well, but they were having a big client that was doing an engagement party, and the big client canceled, and so that like left them pressed for money. And she pulls and- up in a wreck of a car. It was so weird. She just pulls up at this like festival or wherever they were slinging food and basically just shows up there to tell him, hey, our business is a mess. Like that couldn't have waited till he got home. And the car's not when they were feeding the homeless. I'm sorry? Yeah, they're feeding. Yeah, I thought that was, I don't know if that was, I I, I wrote down lines that I found interesting and there was that homeless guy who, he, he was so excited, he said, your boy makes a damn fine Irish stew. And, 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 then, and then she pulls up in the car that doesn't function anymore after that. Um, and says we, we need a new car. And then I think the in-laws come through with the, 
the van. So, but with the with the minivan with the dent in it, but still, yeah. you yeah. know, one of the homeless the one of the homeless people moved into her car and he was downscaling. That's how shitty the car was. Wow. Like that. Oh, and, and the so <laughs> in, <laughs> just trying to make a solid joke. So. <laughs> I gave it the good effort. It's like it's like that I court reboot. I'm trying to sell the jokes. <laughs> Wait, what did they say that happened to Bull? Well, I remember in the last episode of Night Court, Bull went, went off with two aliens. He went off to um, Jupiter or somewhere. That was the last <laughs> shot of the original Night Court. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I, I have a solid answer. Maybe in the season finale, he'll come back for a visit. Right. Is it Richard so. Mole uh, no longer with us? No, he's with us. Oh, he is? Okay. Marsha Warfield's very much with us. I know she yeah. is. Um, oh, okay. So, so yeah. So the car breaks down. Uh, the mother-in-law gives her, give them their extra car, which is like, you know, minivan with a dent in it. And so then we see Sybil and the bills are just coming. Like the bills, there is no reprieve for these people. It was an all. unpaid bills montage less. Yes, they did. They did. The bills were like flying in and flowing and she's writing checks. <laughs> and, and some of the bills actually weren't that bad. Like there was a $600 one, you know, but, um, so, but, so she needs money and she's talking to her friend of hers and her friend is a life insurance agent. So even though they were broke though, she had already had like a bunch of life insurance policies even before her scheme. Yeah. And she's trying to borrow against them. Yeah. And so he's like, you know, you can't do that, but if you're really strapped for cash, I can give you a job here. And he said something along the lines of like, you know, you seem to have an interest in this insurance. Like he should have known immediately what the fuck she was doing. Right. Well, maybe he hires corrupt people. Maybe. He needs some sleazy people working there. You have a real aptitude for gaming the system. (laughs) Yeah, so take a seat. And then she looks over like she sees the people working and they're all in like cubicles. She's like, I'm not doing that. Get there. Get there and get to work. You need the money. Right. But it it felt like it was brighter lighting, but like the office from Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. And then when she goes to do that, starts knocking on the door to sell insurance later on. It, I just thought of, of Jack Lemmon going around trying to get people to, to buy swamp land. Yeah. Well, that part I felt sorry for her. Yeah, I did feel sorry for her in that part. She's gonna. Yeah. She she got an offer to work. No, oh, well. no, the part where she showed up door to door. I did feel sorry for her in that part. Oh. Oh, so so then so then so then they're you know the their their lives are getting worse. Their bills are piling up. Steve is talking to chickens, and and then <laughs> she's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they can understand him. <laughs> and, and so, so they have children too, apparently. Yeah, and I didn't. And that yeah. part. So, so Jason, it's funny that you mentioned that because that part I didn't realize until the movie was almost over that the that one guy was actually his son. 
I think it's it was Steve's son, but not Sybil's. I think yeah. it was his oh, stepson. Yeah, yeah. Into, yeah, he'd had a previous family or something, maybe. Yeah. But, but they didn't make it, like, they didn't specify that the guy was the son. So I knew that the guy was a relative, but I didn't realize that it was his son. And the kids, the, the little kids were his grandkids. Oh, I didn't follow that. Oh, that, so, that one. Yeah. That's later when the that girl hugs Sybil Shepherd and she gives absolutely no love to that child. Yeah. Wow. Now, the sex part, I would have killed him because they're like, you know, they're getting like, you know, bills and shut off notices and and everything else. And she's like, well, yo, why don't you get a job as a private chef? Because, you know, if you got a job as a private chef, that could really help us out. And he's like, no, I don't want a job as a private chef. Yeah, these people, they don't want to work. I mean, either is Sybil. She's kind of walking half asleep. But they these but the, the yeah, the characters don't want to work. You got to work. That's the actor not wanting to work. That's the money. It did yeah, seem shitty Nobody that, that she ends up having to take a job at the insurance company eventually, but does, he won't yeah. take a job working as a chef for a tech billionaire. Make some cash. Like that, that's, that's when they should have made it evident that, okay, now she's done with him. She wants to right. kill him. Right. And then instead he's like, well, I'd rather take a job at a nursing home. And he took a job at a nursing home. And then he was like telling her, you should teach writing. And so then she sets up this little booth and she's like handing out her card to teach writing. But, you know, (laughs) a waste of money. (laughs) Another waste of money. So if you're going to try to be a writing teacher, you're going to set up a booth and pay money for that. Like what? I don't know. Advertise online. Put up a put up a flyer. Yeah, because she had to have that tent made up. Stuff costs money. A couple grand right there. Well, that's why these people are, have such. This I'm telling you, this fascinates me because you could, you could, you could see the components of why they have these financial disastrous issues. But, also, but the goons like, from her group kind of descend on that booth. Oh, and they show up. Oh yeah, fully more. Like they come out of nowhere whenever something kind of bad is happening to her. They just pop out of nowhere. That's oh, true, yeah. though. You take, you take like, a Las shitty Vegas. job. You take a shitty job, and you're like unsupportive. Buddy, show up and laugh at you. <laughs> it's that kind of thing, you know. And yeah, they, 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 yeah, they laugh at her. And yeah, and yeah, Jason, you're right because they invite her to Vegas, and she knew damn well that she could not afford to go on that trip. Mm-hmm. And they were like talking about renting a penthouse, and and there's no way that she could support it. Oh, and another thing that was weird too is they were talking about how they bought, they would buy things that they were writing about. So, like, somebody was writing about night goggles. They were talking about how they bought night goggles. And yeah, they, they had, like, a tr- like a trade program. Like, oh, I have night goggles from my book that I wrote. And it's like, oh, I've got this tennis racket wrapped in, you know, spider webs. I, I Whatever the hell it was. Oh, night, it was night goggles for a switchblade. Right. Who are, who are these people? Like, are they all independently wealthy that they can just... They must be. Well, living it up in Vegas, and they're buying night goggles. I guess. Well, I, I hate are. to sound sexist, but the majority oh. of them were women. So I'm mm. sure they were, and they were women of a certain age. So I'm sure that they were, and they were married, or widowed, or they had another stream of income going on. OnlyFans. Only or OnlyFans. They were. <laughs> they were all out of work. Okay. 
Why, why didn't Sybil and Steve? Because Sybil and Steve were still going at it. They should have set up an OnlyFans. Money problem solved, right there. Like, move over to HBO then, or HBO Max maybe. Right. They don't pay for content anymore. They're getting rid of everything. Oh, they're getting rid of everything, right? Yeah. HBO Max is. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Um. Oh, so so then she needs money, and so what does she do? She buys a plane ticket and flies down to see her brother, who's battling. She's trying cancer. to get money from him, though. Yeah. Yes. Her brother who's battling cancer, so she goes to hit him up for money. And speaking of money, do you want to guess the net worths of Steve Gutenberg and Sybil Shepherd? I have it right in front of me. What? I would say Steve Gutenberg is probably like five hundred thousand, and I would say Sybil Shepherd Ooh. is definitely over a million. I'll say a million for Gutenberg, three million for Sybil Shepherd. I'm going to say eight hundred grand for Gutenberg. Sybil. I'm going to say Sybil's probably like $9 million. Okay. Well, I was off also when I guessed, but Steve Gutenberg's worth $12 million. Oh. What? Wow. Don't you remember oh. Steve Gutenberg was in like – he had a run in the 80s of yeah. like, yeah. like a six-year run where he was in like – Yeah, but they, they weren't paying the massive paydays back then, and he certainly wasn't well, earning massive paydays. If he made investments, if, if he made real estate investments, fair, those fair. would have – Grown over the years. Um, so he probably did. Uh, Sybil Shepherd is worth $40 million. Wow. Okay. That's, that surprised me too. But remember, so back in the 80s, not only was she doing moonlighting, she was doing a lot of like like perfume ads and things like that. So she was all involved with that. Plus that, that sitcom lasted four years. She was like one of the highest paid Yeah, and she, and she probably had a producer TV credit on that show. She probably owns a small did. stake in it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So they both saved well. They both saved, unlike their characters. Yeah. So, right. so, so the the her sister in law. So it all it was kind of funny because it all started out like really nice, and everybody was really nice, and then it quickly took a turn. Mm -hmm. And she walked in while the sister in law shit talking her to the brother in law, saying, "You know, oh, because she asked him for money." And then they go. They go. She, in the no, she never asked. Actually, she overhears the the sister in law talking to her brother, saying like, you know, you you you're not her ATM. So Nancy oh, never oh, even gets the courage to ask. Right. And then he comes out and he's like, "Oh, I put my money in this house, and so I I have no cash." Yeah, he says. Yeah. He says he's. Condo rich, cash poor. <laughs> Got those HOA payments. I, I was I was focused on Sybil Shepherd's racism in the scene. Wait, what? Yeah, right. It, I don't know if it's you well know, racism right. in the character, but racism in the writing as well too. Like she goes, "Oh, can you go inside and make me a Vietnamese coffee?" And I, yeah. Oh. Anyway, I was that was uh, I was just like, "Oh, really? They they're they're doing that, huh?" Okay. Was that racist? Actually, I wasn't familiar with Vietnamese coffee. But 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 his wife is Vietnamese, I believe. I oh. ju I just took that as 
or the wife I, has made this before and Sybil loves it so much so so she's asking for it again. Need me okay. coffee is really good. Yeah, it is. So, it is really so you're good. saying you're you're saying that she's <laughs> the wife's going to actually make what to us would be plain coffee because she's Vietnamese would be Vietnamese coffee. That's what's that's what Sybil. I, I don't yes, know. Maybe that's exactly that's, what it is. Maybe that's I'm bad. I don't know. Um, does a Vietnamese well, coffee have pho noodles in it? What? I said, does a Vietnamese coffee have pho noodles in it? <laughs> pho noodles. Yeah, like pho. Pho. A long, long way to run. I, yeah, okay. I don't know. I've not like had... Soup. It's a Vietnamese okay. soup. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's good. Um, oh, so then... <laughs> she, so then so this, this is where she's an idiot, okay? Because she goes back home... And she's talking to Steve, and she's like, we have absolutely no money, but I'm going to go to Bates. And it's like, honey, if she was, so if she was like 22 and having this conversation, I'd actually kind of get it. But it's like, you're like, you know, come on, you're, you're an adult here. You know better. Well, and, and she was seemingly the more responsible one with money on paper. Well, yeah, other than that, yeah, was. Who was, was more responsible? That, he, he was, right? No, she yeah. was. Well, he she was, was super carefree and didn't have any concept of money. She at least knew, like, hey, we're in deep debt here. Oh. Right. But I'm going to Vegas anyway. And yeah. They both were doing irresponsible things financially. Yeah. Yeah. But she, she at least the way she talked, she sounded more financially responsible. Yeah. I mean, he was allowing the chickens to do his taxes, and I think that was just misguided. Nice. Yeah, I think that's, that's a bad I miss that scene. Wouldn't she be collecting Social Security at this point? Like, could well, you got to pay into it to collect it. Huh? You got to pay into the system to collect. Excuse me? Yeah. Don't you get it regardless? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, well, I, I, well, okay but but then, we don't know what a pass was. Because, but then I think – I but Social Security isn't like – all that much it's, money. It's, it's not, not a, a windfall, no. Depends on what, yeah, on how much you worked, I guess, over the years. So, oh, so I then how old they were at this time. Oh, well, they said he was sixty in the show. His character was sixty. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what she was supposed to be in real life. That's I said she she's supposed to be like in, like she different. was older than he was in real life. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um. So, so then they're in Vegas and they're eating dinner with like shirtless waiters. So it was like a Chippendales restaurant right. or something. I want to know where this place was. Yeah. I was in Vegas here. over the weekend. I did not see this. You didn't see the Chippendales restaurant? No. I don't want a man's nipple hovering over my veal. Well, this is where you and I differ. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> it makes the veal taste that much better. Oh, so so then they're they're eating, and I guess it's time to pay up. And the Chippendales waiter comes up and is like, uh, "Your card didn't work." And then she gets another one, and he's like, uh, "Your card didn't work." But she knew damn well her cards weren't going to work when she went there in the first place. And then one of her dick friends is like, "Oh, I'll get it." With a big smirk on her face. Well, she should be allowed to smirk there because Nancy went, Sybil went there without a, a working card. 
You should be able to hold that over somebody. If somebody came there knowing that they were going to make you pay for their food. And then she, she, I guess she knew it was going to. Yeah, because she was like, oh, uh, charge it to my room. It's like, no, we can't. What if they nope. did charge it to her room? Then what, then what was she going to do? Sneak out. Sneak out in the middle of the night. Face, so. but it, I don't know. I thought it was actually an, a, a nice thing that the woman did. Like, most of the time she was right with the others, but. But the look on her face, though, was like yeah, she was enjoying it. Oh, she was absolutely enjoying it. Yeah. And then the lady tells her, "Oh, you'll you're in a rough patch, but you'll you'll get over it. You'll be fine." That's encouraging. And, and so she ends up, yeah. So then she ends up, you know, taking the insurance job, and then she's um, she's getting she's still getting interrogated. And she's being recorded while she's getting interrogated. Uh, then they show her, yeah, doing the door to door, and she goes, and the person's like a total dick to her. Mm-hmm. And then I guess this is why it does not pay to work in insurance because I guess she'd had this big sale. The big sale really had helped them out financially. Like it, it went and covered their mortgage and all this stuff. And it, didn't she even say it got their? It got their house out of foreclosure for a minute or something. Like, it really helped them. Yeah. Well, it was, it was her commission, but uh, this sale went away, and yeah. she had to pay the commission back. Now, I've worked in radio where the, the salespeople get a commission. Like, they don't. the commission isn't normally paid out till the money is in the, the business's bank. So the fact that they had the money from this client – and then the sale somehow went away and she had to give the commission back. That seemed wild to me. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like there was, I guess the way they're describing it, there, there must have been a guarantee through the insurance so that they could, yeah. I don't know, they could, it was like a money back guarantee. So, yeah. so then her, you know, she's getting more bills, more bills, more bills, um, and more rejection letters. Like she's getting a bunch of, of rejection letters, and all of the rejection letters have the same critique on her writing. Yeah, so and you can negotiate I, those bills. This is one thing you could you could call those bill collectors. So you owe like six hundred dollars. Say, look, I can only pay. I've been I've been owing this, owing this, owing this. I could just I could only, I could pay you four hundred. That's it. That's all you're gonna get from me. And 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 sometimes they'll say okay. Yep. So so then you know uh, so so. She and she's still upset about not getting her book, like being able to get her books published. And so then she's talking to Steve about it, and he basically is like, "Oh well, you're writing the books. That should be enough, and you should be doing it because you love it. You shouldn't be doing it to make a living at it." And says the guy that doesn't want to go work for a tech billionaire making food, right? He's happy talking to chickens. He, he treats it like it's a hobby or it's this fun, or, or that's how she takes it at least. Yeah, yeah, she's he's patronizing her. Yeah, and her writing really wasn't that good, so I'm sure that he knew that her writing wasn't that great. And so, so then they end up having, so then they have like their first fight in the in the movie, and the movie's like over halfway over, almost like halfway over, and so. Then she decides that she's going to self-publish. And the friends are all like, don't do that. If you self-publish, 
Uh, I guess they were all vying for this award. So they're like, if you self-publish, you won't get this award. And if you self-publish, no one is going to ever respect you. She's not going to win the award anyway. But it's like she walks out of her house and they're like, there is like a crowd of them, like a witch hunt. Yeah. You know? They pop out of nowhere anytime. Mm-hmm. Well, whenever you, whenever you say you're going to self-publish, there's usually a witch hunt. Outside. There should be a witch hunt outside your house. I like that her justification for why, like, they said nobody's going to take you seriously. She said, 50 shades of gray. As if, like, yes, that's made an enormous amount of money, but uh, respect? I don't know if it's got that. Right. I think the Celestine prophecy that started out as a self-published book, so she could use that as an excuse. And wasn't but no, she's self-published? Twilight? Was it? No, not to so. no. Fifty Shades was Twilight fanfic. Oh. Oh, uh, okay. Sybil's got blind confidence, though. Yeah, she does. That. So, so then she, her brother calls her, and her brother, I guess, had was in recovery, and so he fell off the wagon and relapsed. Which is a weird thing to say if you if you if you relapse. relapse that's not really falling off the wagon, isn't that more like like an alcohol thing or? Yeah. Yep. He said, I fell off the wagon. I was like, what? What? Okay. No, I think there were two things going on. I think he he had fallen off the wagon alcohol-wise. Oh, he did. Oh, he in did. addition okay. to also yeah. having cancer. Yeah. Yeah. It got confusing until later on because they were hinting at something in that earlier scene. Wow. And again, yeah. like I said, I think it may oh, wow. have been a legit choice that this is deliberately poorly plotted. Yeah. This is her, she's an unreliable narrator, maybe. Yeah. Free I give her credit. So then she goes to her her writer's club, and the bitchy woman who covered her her meal was like, not only am I a finalist for this award, I also got a literary agent. And Sybil was so mad that she broke the glass in her (laughs) hand and cut her hand. Nobody noticed this. No, no, one noticed. no. Yeah. Nobody. Re- nobody. In fact, the fact that nobody reacted in that moment led me, the viewer, to think, oh, is this a dream sequence? Did she actually not really do that in the moment? She's just mad at them? You but then later you either. see her with a bandage on her hand. Like a huge frame. bandage. Yeah. Yeah. She has it for, for a while. She's got that super strength. Okay, so then, so then in the next scene... And this is a funny name for a flower. Steve brought her (laughs) rosy, rose, was it rosy pussy toes? Yes. It sure was. You don't forget that. What are pussy toes? Well, less. I know it's been a few years, but I don't know. Why are there feet on it, Kurt? (laughs) What's that? (laughs) Why are there feet on it? That's Quentin Tarantino. He's doing this in the feet. So, I'll, I'll, I'll text him and find out. And, and so, so yeah, so so yeah, she he bought her pussy toes, and. <laughs> Jason and all of the other legitimate cinema that you've watched, have you ever heard mention of rosy pussy toes before? No, I feel like I should have at this point. Hey, that's a good stripper I, name. I, it's a good stripper I, name. The most I can think of is From Dusk Till Dawn, 
and Cheech Marin being that carnival barker outside of the strip club when they go into Mexico. That's the closest. Oh, yeah. He goes through like a a whole monologue. Yeah. It's a a good stripper name. It's a good drag queen name. It's a good film noir, like his girl Friday kind of name. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's kind of a good James Bond villain. Yes. It's a James Bond villain. That's what it it is. What's your name? I'm Rosie Pussytoes. What's your name? Pussytoes. Rosie Pussytoes. I'm Pussy Galore's sister. (laughs) I I don't want to say this, but I I actually used it as my I actually used it as my confirmation name when I was uh, (laughs) (laughs) It it was my AOL instant messenger name back in the nineties. Yes, see, we all have this connection. <laughs> so, so, oh, so then the tile. She looks at it. So then the tiles on their floor. Their house is just so janky that the tiles keep on breaking, and she has to glue the tiles back in the floor. And so, at this point, she looks down at the janky floor, and she's just done. She's done. She's over. She's handy though. She's trying to fix the sink and yeah, because the sink floor. is broken too. She's like the handyman, <laughs> and 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 he she's like fixing the tile. He's talking to a chicken, and she's just like over it. But <laughs> the way you describe it, it does sound exhausting. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> could you imagine like your house is falling apart and your spouse is talking to chickens? Well, you have kind of a nice house though. It was, and they—I guess—they built it themselves too. She could have gotten a job as a handyman, handy person, because she was fixing it. She yeah. was fixing what everything. was she doing with yeah. the sink? I, was she actually fixing the sink? She was trying because it was dripping. She was trying to tighten up the 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 faucet. Yeah. Okay. This building suspense and tension that dripping faucet because that was making her more and more angry. Yeah, and thinking like more and more about killing her husband. Okay, and so so then she's like, you know, she tells him, you know what, we should sell our house because we can actually we could actually make money selling this house. Um, and then he was so dumb, he was like, well, yeah, let's sell the house and move into a tiny house. And she's like, um, no. And, and so she's even when so I think him. And, uh, suggesting they move into a tiny house is what kind of pushed her over the edge. Yeah. She wanted to move to Portugal still. She wanted to sell mm-hmm. the house. So, so then she does what you should never do. People, because she self-published her book, don't read the comments. <laughs> <laughs> don't. We're good. Because, yeah, she started reading the comments, and they were not good. They were not good at all. And this is when she decides, I'm oh, I'm just going to kill him. I'm done. So, so then she starts, like, um, yeah, she's going to kill him for the life insurance. So then she calls. She actually gets a reduction on their mortgage, which was that good business practice, Kurt? Oh, she does that. Yeah, she, yeah, she goes. Yeah, she negotiates it. But that was good, though, right? That she did that. Oh yeah. Okay. 
So yeah, so she gets a reduction on their mortgage. Oh, and then she starts asking him to sign like papers. Like, yeah, yeah, because she get- kept taking out more insurance policies on him. Yeah. What I thought was silly about that is, you know, she's taking all these policies out on him and is making him sign the papers. Like, she's already committing insurance fraud. Why you even need his signature to sign for him? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so now she's trying to figure. She's trying to figure out how to kill him. And oh, and then at this point, she had like eight different life insurance policies on him. Yeah. Wait, how is this? How is this? Is how is this insurance fraud though? She's she's. She's she's getting legitimate. Well, it's going it's possible. going to be fraud at the end of the movie. Yeah, oh, well, okay, that's true. Kill him and take, use the money. So why <laughs> else would fraud. you need eight policies on the same person? It was premeditated for sure. So yeah. then, but he keeps signing them. You, you think he might start to wonder? But. Yeah, but he was pretty dumb. No, he's thinking about his chickens. Yeah, and then at yeah. one point, her her insurance. She's talking to her insurance friend, and he's like, "I don't know what." Oh, because he's because he he was also like, "Okay, this is getting kind of fishy." Opening, you know, having all these policies, and then he was like, "I don't know what your problem is. You have a husband. He loves you. You're getting dicked all the time. I don't know why you're so upset." <laughs> but she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so she's still trying to figure out how to murder him. And um, uh, during this time, she's trying to figure out how to murder him and sell her house. And um, so they start wanting... How did... They started working on the house. They're like, okay, so we can sell this house, but it needs work. And so they start fixing up the yard and like, putting pesticides in the yard and Steve gets upset about that. He's bitching about making it too suburban. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you're going to sell it anyway. Yeah. So what's your problem? Yeah. And is that hard to sell? Well, the house was like a nice house. Yeah. That's what the the realtor said that they had like the house. They needed a lot. It needed a lot of work. You know, they literally have a chicken coop in their yard. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure there was like everything environmentally friendly and natural in the backyard, but that wouldn't be good for 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 selling. So they had to they had to do something with the backyard, and he's also worried about the chickens being poisoned. Yeah, I'm sure that yard was full of shit. Like, <laughs> had to. Okay, yeah, that's unattractive. I, I thought the house might be too, because the yeah. chickens are just in bed with them, and I mean they're everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> So, so then she gets, she gets a foreclosure notice. Wow. So she's really just like stressed out at this point. Yeah. So then it's Christmas. And this is the part, Jason, that you were talking about yeah. that was like awful. And this basically just put the nail in his coffin. Because she's like this whole movie she'd been talking about going to Portugal, going to Portugal, going to Portugal. And so he was supposed to work that night but he's like, well, let's do gifts first. And he's like, I have got the surprise. I've got what you've been wanting. I got you a getaway to Portugal. And she's like, oh, my God, she's so happy. And it turned out that he got her, like, Portuguese sausage. And See, he, the problem was he oversold it. 
and, or, yeah. or he just sold it incorrectly. She would have been happy if you just said, okay, I've, I've got something that I know you're going to want. It's right. sausage. If he had said it like that, I think she would have been happy. I've got I've got some sausage for your rosy pussy toes. Right. <laughs> yeah. All <close> together. <laughs> and so that really she was like, you know what, fucker, I'm gonna go buy a gun. <laughs> After that, yeah. buying a gun. <laughs> that was and the, the the gun shop deal that that was one of the like most pleasant characters like she had this conversation was so excited to to tell her what she could do to get away with murder because she was excited to oh you you write about murders and and stuff so provided probably way too much information oh she loved her job that gun lady wonderful advice so now so so if you get a gun to shoot somebody you have to take out part of it right i forget they said to take up so you have to order like an extra part Take yeah. out that part, put the other part in, and then it's 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 no longer the weapon of choice. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, she was like, you know, after shooting the person, get the same part and you have to swap it out. Okay. With the same make and model. But, but all you murderers out there. But the what? the other part was still traceable because she literally bought it on fucking eBay. Right. Yeah, you when you're buying weapons to kill people. <laughs> Don't use your own eBay account. No, don't do that. You have to get on the dark web or something. Surely like that. you should be able to buy that in guest mode, right? You know, when you're on some it, shopping sites, they want you to create an account, but sometimes they're like, "Shop as a guest." Just shop as a guest. Don't create yeah, an account. Oh, so then she gets excited because then she finds out if a person dies on their job, you get an extra hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> Where's she getting these policies? I... Okay. <laughs> Jesus. What if you work from home? So, so she's like, hell yeah. Then, so she's going to kill him. Then she has like a tech <laughs> rehearsal. <laughs> Just like a dry run. <laughs> She really was. I wrote dry run in my notes as well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so like she goes and does everything and she, and he's like, Oh, she startles them. And, and, um, um, what was, Oh, Oh, I lost my place. Oh, so, Oh, so then after that, he's being really, he's being really nice to her. So then she changes her mind. She's like, you know, maybe, you know, I, I don't want to kill him after all. And, and so um, she's then, she meets this agent in a parking lot. And like, oh, she goes to this talk. She goes to this yeah. talk. And then yeah. after the talk, it's like an empty parking lot. The only thing that was missing from that parking lot was a person with a black hoodie on. And it was really creepy looking. I wrote something in my notes, and I don't remember what this is referring to. I wrote, and then Marshall writhed, and her non-orgasmic body cranked out climaxes like a pinchinko machine on the fritz. Oh, she she was writing about her her characters. Oh, so th- this was Nancy's writing, or was this the the other writer that she went to go see the the TED talk from, or whatever? I think it was Nancy's writing. Okay, I'm not sure. And, and so I'm here for it. That sounds like Nancy's writing. Yeah, I and, like it. And, and so, publish that. 
So, so Nancy, so she scares the agent, and so mm-hmm. she's like, you know, I have this manuscript. Can you take my manuscript? And the agent is like, no, no, for very good, good reason. And so finally, Nancy like wears her down, and she's like, okay, don't tell anybody, but I'll take it and I'll read it and I'll get back to you. Well, that was a big mistake because then. Nancy starts calling her and calling her and calling her and calling her. And the poor receptionist was, like, just going through it. It was like a a jump-cut montage of her calling. And what I thought was hilarious about this is the the woman that played the receptionist, they made her dress in a bunch of different outfits for the jump cuts, but Sybil is wearing the same outfit through the entire time. So it's supposed to yep. show the passage of time. She's calling a lot of different days. Sybil's wearing the same outfit the entire time. You have to say I didn't notice funny. that. Yeah. I just, thought she, yeah I, I just thought she kept... I, I didn't realize that the receptionist had a... Costume change. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I like that section of the movie because it sort of reminded me it had the potential because I'm a big fan of those 1990s thrillers. It had a bit of a single white female, the temp mm-hmm. type of a, mm-hmm. a vibe to it. The stalking of, of the agent who had been sort of nice to her, uh, whether you believe that she'd actually take her, her, her novel or, or not. But yeah. And she was... She was so nice to her, even when they got on the phone and she gave gave the critique. Like, said, like I don't appreciate you abusing my receptionist, but I want to talk to you about your novel and was actually giving some constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. Wait, so you thought that was nice? Yes, well, I, I agree. <laughs> it could be. It could be like... It was know, nice that she was spoke to I, her. Yeah, I'm she could have just called the cops. And, you know? Because I took it... Because I took it as... Because she puts her on speakerphone, right? And I took it as she was like, okay, listen, bitch, I'm going to tell you about your novel. (laughs) Why did she stop to give a critique of her book then? Like, I I thought just like, leave us alone. I'm not going to publish your book. Give it up. If I hear from you again, we're calling the police. I mean, that would be, I I think she should have been. I, I, mm-hmm. I agree, Jason. I, I think she was actually being maybe nice isn't the word, but she right. took time out of her. She's like, all right, you you want to know about your book? I'll tell you. I'm going to tell okay. you right now because you keep yeah. asking. So here you go. Yeah. The plot sucks. Yeah. Probably that's what her big complaint. Her plots don't jibe. Right. Like this movie. Is did you guys certain- ever read? Did you guys ever read a friend's book? I don't think I've done that. Not a friend book. I read a friend's play. Oh, okay. And I, I have a couple friends or like friends or acquaintances that have had actual published bestsellers. So I've, I, I've read those books, but I've never read like a manuscript before it's gotten to publishing or anything like that. No, not that. I have heard, well, I, uh, you know, we know people who have self published and stuff like that and i have some of the books around but i've never actually i never actually read them yeah i, I and, and and same like i have some friends that are self-published and i have their books but i haven't read them yeah but every now and then i'll have a friend be like i wrote this solo show can you read it and nine times out of ten 
I read it, and it, the choice is either tell him what you really think or tell him that you never got around to it. Ooh. So are they calling you every five minutes? Like, Les, did you, did you read my play? Did you read it? Actually, why, Les, calling, why aren't you taking my call? Les, person, did you read the play? I, I did have one person like, like, that would message me every day, like, to read it, to read it, to read it. Oh, read it. let's look at this movie. And then I was finally like, you know, but, it, but luckily it happened when I was on the road. It happened when I was at a festival. I was like, you know, I'm really, you know, focusing on the festival right now, which was true. Which is true, and because festivals that a lot of the festivals that we go to are like ten days long, they're really intense, and so I really yeah. was focusing on the festival. So I, that that got me out of it. But the, the play was not that good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. So, so then the next scene. She goes and she follows him to work and she kills him. And she's pretty mean about it. She shoots him twice. Yes. And, oh, and I read, so I read the true, like I Googled it and read the true account of it. And so I guess in the real shooting, she like, she shot him and then she went up to him and why he was dying, she like looked him in the eyes and smiled and shot him in the real, which this one she- How do they do. know that? That's what they wrote. But like- if... Even in the article that I sent, cause I sent the article in our thread and that's yeah. what they said in the thread. Right, but in the only part. way that they would know if she smiled at him, I guess there would have said. to be cameras up. She told them. Well, no, I guess. Oh, she told them. I guess she she. I guess so. Told them that. There's also a scene where like the whole family comes over and they're all sitting like before that, they're all like sitting at the table eating and she's just sitting there, unhappy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, miserable. She's not like that. And and so um, she shoots him. Then she goes home. Then her sister-in-law calls and is like, okay, your brother has relapsed and he's a mess right now. Stage four I cancer. And then she calls his, she calls his, then she calls Steve's cell phone just to give herself an alibi. And then her mother-in-law calls and is like, you need to get over there. And that's when she goes over there. And that's when the cops are there. And she was like really calm the entire time. Like, you know, they're like, your husband got shot. And she was like, oh, really? Okay. Um, that is too bad. Like I said, so that was a... to discover the body, student. Right. So, so then um, she was, and then she was like, you know, they're interrogating her. And she's like, well, you can look at my gun if you want. I, I have a gun, but you can you can check it out if you want. Yeah. And so yeah, you can look at my re- totally not the murder weapon, guys. It's totally not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so meanwhile, guess, some of these scenes it was kind of like I know she was probably taking naps between, but in what form were they happening? So I imagine in the interrogation one, she was kind of like putting her head on the desk like i used to do that when i was in school uh-huh. yeah, and yeah. say okay time right. to take a little nap 
<laughs> you put your head on the desk. So like a cat nap? She took like a... Like- yeah, that was a, it was a desk nap. Uh, and the scenes where she's fixing the floor, that was just a floor nap. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Now, the best was when they were shooting in bed, because then you could just sleep in bed. She had right. a wig on in bed in one of the scenes. I was like, why is she wearing a wig right now? Yes. I'd like well, to get myself big, up. Have I t- uh, talked on this podcast about five guysing? No. So I have a friend, and you you kind of know him less, uh, but I have a friend that one time we were at um, Gym Bar, and right next to Gym Bar in in L.A. uh, used to be a Five Guys Burgers. And this friend said, oh, I'm going to go next door. So I see him go over to Five Guys, and this is only like four or five years ago. So newspapers are already no longer a thing. Look over to Five Guys, and this friend is sitting in front of Five Guys with a newspaper up in front of him, and I realize he's napping. He went over there to take a nap. Five Guys? And so I called him out on it. He's like, yeah, I, I kind of do stuff like that all the time. Like, sometimes I'll be really, really tired, and I'll, I'll like, go in a bathroom and take a little disco nap. So now anytime I see him, like, dozing off, or, like, he, he's able to make it look like he's, like, in the moment – Without actually being asleep, even though he's actually asleep. So we call it so Five Guys. It, so he had the paper like he was reading it? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, he was holding it up. Wow. Yeah. I got to respect that. So That's I think impressive. Sybil Shepard did some Five Guysing in this movie. Right? I think so, too. Uh, oh, okay. So... So what she didn't know is, like, the entire thing was on video. So they had her janky, busted-up car on video. So they knew it was her. And then then all of her insurance policies ended up getting rejected. Like, all of them. Well, there's a memorial also. She she goes to that. Which was, was that in a parking lot? The memorial? Yeah, that was my question. Look, yeah. what, was, it, was it at the school or... It was at the school. Yeah, the parking lot at the school where he, he was murdered. Yeah, at the school. You, you know where I want uh, to be memorialized is the, is the place where I was murdered. Right. <laughs> or, right. The, or, or the five guys next. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like a good place <laughs> to have a final rest. So, so then so, so then she's trying to sell her house, and the, the realtor's like, look. Your tiles are broken. Your plumbing is messed up. Your chickens, you got the chickens, so you need to fix all this, and then I can sell your house. But until you fix it, I can't do anything with this house. And then his kids show up, uh, and the cops are, like, onto her. The cops are like, we know she did it. We're, it's, it's just, at this point, it's just a question of when we go and get her, not if. And, and I... Oh, I think this is where they introduced my favorite character in the movie, a movie, a woman who just randomly explodes onto the scene, and she's a pessimist with the detectives. That's yeah. She doesn't believe. Was she the captain? Oh, uh, who, there wasn't enough time to decipher who she was. It looked like they were in an office somewhere, but I thought that was supposed to be the police station, and she's telling them that they can't, they're not going to go forward, unless she was a prosecutor. Maybe she's a prosecutor. Man, she was like Marlon Brando in a dry white season. She just just went in, did a part, and got out. Gets out, which was stupid on her end because it's like they have they have the van on tape, so it literally was just a question of when. 
you know, they 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 knew she was lying. And yeah, yeah, they were. <laughs> So this next part is a part, I think they dropped the ball because they could have shown more scheming and, you know, they just kind of brushed over it because we find out her brother ends up dying. And so they go to the lawyer or to the judge, they go to court and it turns out that there were two wills the one will that the wife had, and then another will that I guess Sybil just kind of whipped up. Yeah, I didn't understand this. How was there a will made two days before? She's a dumb criminal. She was dumb. And and and, and so the, and not only was the will made up two days before, like mm-hmm. the will left no money to the wife. The will made Sybil the executor, and the judge is like rolling his eyes, like you gotta be kidding me! Come on. Oh, I just. Well, like that guy. There, there was some guy in the news this week that um was suspected uh, is suspected of killing his wife and had Googled how to dispose of a body. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Where did he dispose of it? Uh, I don't know, but they've arrested him. That's what. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like. Clear your history, people. <laughs> so yeah, so so yeah, so Sybil like did not. Oh, and then even the judge like threw shader. The judge was like, you know, the end. He's like, the will wasn't even written well. <laughs> She's like, what well, did my best? And oh, and so then we find out that she, that the brother was cremated and she forbade the um, the mortuary from giving his ashes to his wife. And so the mortuary is calling her going, hey, we've got your brother's ashes here. What do we do with her? So oh, I saw a preview. Did you see, guys see this preview of this other movie? Lifetime, it happens about right here. It's called Hoax, The Kidnapping mm-hmm. of Sherry... Something else. Yes. This, this woman gets branded on the ass. <laughs> Is this the one with Jennifer like, Gray? Branding like she's bent over. And she, I didn't make this up. She's like bent over and she's like, yes, give me the branding now. And they, they brand, brand her on the ass. And it was a hoax and she got a brand? No, know. the movie's called Hoax. I don't know. Maybe there's a fake kick, kidnapping or something. They, they kept advertising it. I'm watching this, so it's part of a series. There's something like four. Well, I'm tuning in for that episode. From the headline movie, so. Okay, I didn't mean to interrupt, but that was the commercial that aired about that time. (laughs) Made an impact on me. So, so then she's then she just gets brazen at this point. She's still sleepy, but she goes to the cops, and she's like, she blames her sister-in-law for the murder, and then she's like, listen. I need a letter saying that I didn't do it. <laughs> no, she has a whole ridiculous story. She like she kind of puts it all together. She's was it? Oh, she says, well, oh, God, what was it? It was so convoluted. Yeah, like and she and, says like a mafia, a Viet. Okay, she says a, a Vietnam army or something. A gangster in the Vietnamese army. You know, that was racist. <laughs> That's yeah, bad. That's she right. The, Viet- the Vietnamese mafia uh, came to. And and killed the husband. It was going to kill right. her, but she said, but then you detectives started sniffing around. And that's who did it. 
And it was because of her sister. She was it's because of her sister-in-law that the Vietnamese mafia was after her. Yeah, that, that's the scene where I should have been looking for the racism, not the yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, yes. Then she asked them for a letter of recommendation, and and, the, and I love the comment. I'm not a suspect, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Proof that I'm a suspect, so I can get my insurance money. Yeah, I did love that the cops, the cops, because they were just looking at her like, "You've got to be fucking kidding me." <laughs> like, they were like, pretty good. It's true. She did this apparently, but it was. It was only it, it, the time sequence is different than reality. I think it was only a couple days after her husband died that she went and asked the police for this. In the real uh, story again, according to this uh, award-winning documentary that I watched afterwards. <laughs> so, so then this next part, I'm sure these dicky people were salivating oh. at this mo. I'm sure oh, yeah. they were just eating it up. They're the true winners of this film. Really, they are. Because <laughs> she's at a dinner party with Certainly them. Certainly wasn't oh, us. She's having the dinner party, right? I think it was, she was having it. Yeah. And so, they're at a dinner party at her house. They're talking about their next little outing that they're going to go to. They're sitting around the table, and then the cops show up and arrest her at the table. Why are they going in her backyard to arrest her? I, I, I didn't know that understand that oh i think that they just that's where she was so you know they wanted they to sneak up yeah i guess so but yeah the dicky friends were just like i'm sure they were just like yeah. oh my god can you believe this yeah well jokes on them they have to clean up now right there's one friend who wasn't there like she was homesick and they're like they then they they even take pleasure in that they, they call the sick friend and said oh you missed out on this one yeah. And then the sick that's friend what, really that's mad. That's what happened. Yeah, it's like, I, God damn it. I, I come to that fucking writer's group every week, and the one time I don't go, Nancy gets arrested? What the hell? Right, this <laughs> friend is pissed. Better than sick. was dinner in Vegas. <laughs> we taught that. And, and, and then who was it that said it all comes down to plotting, and that was that was her problem in her writing, too. She never knew how to plot well and that's and it showed in her crimes and so um and so yeah the cops are like listen dummy don't buy your gun stuff on ebay (laughs) and don't have a blog that says how to murder your husband everyone knows that if you are going to fashion your own gun you buy parts in etsy right that's right (laughs) handcrafted to defend it, I, I I had recently reviewed How to Murder Your Wife, the Jack Lemmon movie from the 1960s, and in that one, he, he was a cartoonist who showed how he would murder his wife, and then and then the, he gets accused of murder that way. So so maybe she was a fan of that movie and and thought this was a good way to, to do things. Oh, so, maybe so it wouldn't be the first time that somebody did something that stupid. So, so, so at the end, she's in prison in her orange jumpsuit, and her wig was very big. And so, so he had, so Steve had a thing for mushrooms all throughout the movie, and he was always talking about mushrooms, mushrooms, mushrooms. And so, he said that all mushrooms were edible. So, 
no, no. She uh-huh. reminisced about a convo with him about some poison mushroom. Mm-hmm. And then she sees it there at the prison in the prison yard because everyone knows mushrooms just magically grow it, it, at the prison. And mm-hmm. she tries to eat it, and the guard tackles her and says, No easy way out, Brophy. Right. And that was that. It was a very touching end to the movie because it was a very sweet conversation about mushrooms that they were having. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, missed her husband. She missed her husband. Yeah. And that was that. Yeah. And now she's in jail for life. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, in 25 years, she's eligible for parole. She'll, she'll be 90-something. She'll be 90-something. Ah, uh, the 90s. Well, I think I like this movie more than, than you guys. Like I said, was, there's something about the financial aspect that kept my interest. And the I, consistent performance of Sybil Shepherd of her, you know, sleepiness. She was sleepy. It, it was a. It served as a through line for me. I, I like how weird it is. It's like it's it's almost a, so bad it's good, but it's not quite. There. It was weird. And, and some of the ways, it's like the scenes were shot were weird. Like there's a scene with the scene where they have the argument. It's it's bizarre. It would it would it would cut from just Steve Gutenberg like yelling, and then there was like some awkward two shot of them. Just she's standing there looking weird and. I, I still contend that the choices in this movie of the way it was directed were deliberately bad to to be as if they were written from Nancy's like as if Nancy wrote the movie. Okay. I like that reading of it. I mean, yeah. That they give give some things a little bit of an out. Yeah, and it's it's so it's so bonkers that if you go and watch it through that lens, you're like Okay, well, that kind of makes sense now that they did this. Yeah. And yeah. and I just think that she was just a, it, she was a dumb criminal. Like, yeah. just I think she's one of the dumbest criminals we've spoken about on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of liked her brazenness. You know, like she just she would just power through, and she doesn't care. No one likes her writing. She she had confidence. I mean, give yeah. her that. Yeah, admire that for sure. And I just hope that Steve Gutenberg gets the makeover that he needs. Mm-hmm. I, I hope he gets yeah. more work. And that's yeah. it. I, I really do think he put some energy into this. I don't know how Sybil Shepherd felt about doing this project, but he 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 seemed like he was he was game for it. And oh, he, he showed up. He yeah. showed up yeah. for work, and he was like, yeah. you know, he definitely gave it his all. Yeah. Yeah, he was. His scenes, I would kind of that. That's what kept me, uh, kept me watching. So, I remember Sybil didn't like. She she doesn't want to work that much. Like even when when she was doing moonlighting, she was she didn't like the fact that they're working so many hours. And when they gave her the script for that episode that was in iambic pentameter, remember the uh, mm-hmm. Taming of the Shrew? I think they did. And um, she just said she looked at the script. She said, "Why?" <laughs> Because you knew it was going to be a lot of work to do. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm su- you know, surprised she did Broadway. Because that's that's a ton of work. Right. Yeah. But maybe, I guess maybe sometimes maybe. she does. I I guess she could get pissed because I've worked on TV shows that they end up shooting you know 
like all kinds of hours and I, I could see that. I, and also on that that yeah, show, yeah, yeah. it was really a two-hander. It was her and Bruce Willis for in almost every scene. And that seems like the kind of show that where they were probably getting the scripts at the very last minute. So she probably didn't have a lot of time to like learn her lines. And it's yeah. very dialogue heavy rolling. too. And, and when all else failed, she'd go fine, and he'd go fine, and she'd go good, he'd go good. <laughs> and they say, uh, "We're looking for a man with a mold in his nose, a mold in his nose, a mold in his nose. What kind of clothes? What kind of clothes do you suppose? What kind of clothes do I suppose be worn by a man with a mold in his nose? Who knows? The habit that I mentioned, did I fail to disclose? Did I fail to disclose the man that we're seeking with a mold in his nose? We're not sure of his clothes or anything else except he's Chinese. It'd be clue by itself." And the guy says. I'm sorry to say I'm sad to report. I haven't seen anyone all that sort. Not a man who's Chinese with a mole in his nose or some sort of clothes that you could disclose. So get away from the store and get out of this place or I'll have to hurt you. Put my foot in your face. Oh, violent. <laughs> Moonlight. Did, you, reason, did, learn did you know it that was, by heart or were you reading that just now? I knew it by heart. Wow. I knew it by heart. This is your, that was on. That's your Nicki Minaj moment of the episode. Right yes. there. Because yeah. I memorized that when, like, when, when I was in high school. It was like this, this Moonlighting episode played in high school. For some reason, I, I learned that. Just n- not for any public thing. I just, I just learned it, and I still remember it. For fun. It's a dialogue. It was Bruce Willis, Civil Shepherd, and this guest star actor. Kurt, when you start your TikTok channel, that needs to be your first video. Yeah, oh, I can make a TikTok. Now I've got something to do. I mean, on, on TikTok, I've got things to do. <laughs> there you go. And, 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 you know, before we end, maybe, maybe Steve can join the wrong universe or the psycho universe. I would love Killers. him to join the wrong universe. Yeah. See, there's a place for him. Remember you know, he did the bedroom window? It was kind of like a, it was kind of like an 80s knockoff of a rear window. I do not remember no. that, no. Remember that one? No. But yeah, he could join. He could join. I I guess I remember that. Okay. I could see him in a in a in a scene with our friend Meredith Thomas. Meredith Thomas and Steve Greenberg in a scene. Yeah. Anywho, if you want to find me, you can find me at my website, leskirkendallbarrett.com, or you can find me on Instagram uh, at Kirkendall Jason. Please rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us five stars so more people can find us. You can find us all on Instagram and Facebook at Lifetime of Hallmark Podcast. And you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Shot Jason. Kurt. Oh, I just realized I'm KurtFitzpatrick.com, but I'm like, I'm like Civil Shepherd. I don't want to work because I have to update the site. <laughs> like, oh, come on. <laughs> so. I have to update the site, but I'm going to be at the Rogue Festival in the beginning of March for three days in a row doing my show, The, the, the Jester of All Maladies. Tickets are only $8 to for crying out loud. I can afford that. Um, People need to see you perform live because it really is. Um, I'm a, I've am i been a fan for years, so, you know. Oh, I, that's, yeah. that's sweet. I always will I support that. you out there, and so I'm, I'm glad that you're uh, getting to a few festivals with that show. I appreciate and, that. And Jason, do you have anything you want to promote? Yeah, just I, I guess the podcast, the Shelf Shedding Movie Show, it's called. Um, I have it on Twitter at Shelf Movie and also on Instagram. And yeah, it's just a very, very independent podcast of one. Uh, and I just rely on some friends to come on and we just talk movies and it's fun for me. And so, uh, and 
open invitation to any of you if you'd like to be on the show sometime. I've really enjoyed uh, talking to you today, and uh, thank you for letting me part be part of your uh, your show. And again, I, I I think it's just such a cool idea for a podcast. So, uh, and I I know anybody who listens to it will love it. And I I promote it at the end of every one of my episodes. There, just so oh, thank you, yeah, thank you so much. People, uh, more people listening there, so. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And yeah, I enjoyed the experience and talking to you probably more entertaining than, uh, than the movie for sure. But, uh, it was, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Always the goal. Well, laughs well, too, so. well, we've, well, we've got an upcoming episode. I'm going to come on the, uh, shelf shedding, um, movie podcast like I did last year. Cause we're going to yeah. do if, if we pick the Oscars, cause I was yeah. always a fan of, uh, the Siskel and Ebert growing up and they would do an episode every year. If we pick the Oscars. So now, we're taking over for Siskel and Ebert. We are, yeah. I call it, mm. it if we shed the nominees. And so then we try to put our points together. I think we reveal who we would vote for if we had to vote, as Siskel and Ebert used to. And then we try to get the, the five nominees down to three. And whatever it is, the six to ten Best Picture nominees down to five, as I've always thought it should just be five, like what I grew up with. But... Is there any movie or performance that you are very hopeful will at least be nominated this year? Um, Movie-wise, I think my two favorites are are two of the three favorite films this year, so I don't think I need to promote um, The Fablemans or or, uh, The Banshees of Inish Aaron, for sure. I mean, I think they're, 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 they're doing fine there. Um, but yeah, there's a, I, I mentioned the one performance earlier with Causeway. Uh, there's this, uh, I, I guess one of the, one of the ones, it's an odd one is Mia Goth. I don't think she stands a chance in this horror movie called Pearl. They did two, Ty West did two horror movies this year that were connected together, X and then Pearl. And just as a fantastic, like one take six minute long monologue at the end. I, I just thought it was one of the best performances of the year. I, it really has no chance, but it would just be be nice to see like somebody kind of come out of, of left field to as often happens. The last few years, there've been some surprising nominees. Uh-huh. Yeah. So was, was the quiet girl or the quiet girl nominated for anything? The quiet girl, um, the quiet girl. Mm-hmm. It was a small little Irish. It was like it, it was an Irish film. There's actually really think so. No, I don't think so. Uh, well, the Oscar nominations haven't been announced yet. That's next okay. week. That's going to be announced. Um, yeah, yeah I, I don't. I, I should look at the Independent Spirit nominees because that's maybe where I'd see 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 that. But yeah, yeah. Is that still yeah. happening? Independent Spirit? Yes, I guess they are. Is, uh, years years ago, I used to vote on that long time ago really? how'd you get part of that because i was a member of what was called the Indi- because i i was um years ago years ago i was more involved in filmmaking like independent film like the like it's like the late 90s mid, mid to late 90s so i was part of the independent feature project it was called uh-huh. And they, they used to have they used to have uh, screenings and stuff like that. I don't know if that still exists or it, it maybe exists in a different form. But we used to vote members of the IFP, the Independent Feature Feature Project. Yeah. We would vote for the, the for this uh, Spirit Awards. 
I think yeah. that's correct. Or they were, I think that's, those, those, those are the award. That sounds right. Yeah. Still happens. I don't hear as much about it as it used to be kind of the day before the Oscars. It was a big, it was yeah. kind of a deal back in like the, the, you know, Tarantino Pulp Fiction, the, the nineties independent movie wave that happened there. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah they used to have screenings. We, we, we would, you, you would have, you would have screenings. We would actually go out to instead of the, they wouldn't actually mail stuff out like they do in SAG. No cable ease awards. Right. <laughs> yeah. There was a, there was a previous episode where I, th- I thought the cable ace awards still existed. I think. Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah. And the American comedy awards have gone by the I wayside. Should, yeah. Oh boy. That was something. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Jason, <laughs> you are welcome back anytime. Yeah. Seriously. Thank you we so much. Time with you. I, I had a lot of fun with this. Come back. Come back, you know. Thank um, you for enduring this movie. And, and please, please. Well, was it, it, it wasn't bad. It was, it was a fascinating movie. So thank you so much for having me on. And please, please make Kurt watch The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants Part 2. Please. Oh. <laughs> maybe if I do that, maybe the two, like, maybe you could all come on. Yeah. We could all talk yeah. about that. Theater. Could also that. Theater. Yeah. I gotta watch Avatar. I'm not really, don't really have much interest. The second one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I ripped that bandaid off early though to get ready because I don't. I just don't. I know it's like the most successful movie. I don't. So I don't want to see it. It's gonna take all day. It's like I, a I, I, I can be wrong. You, you might be scared because oh, might not be nominated. You might not it's get for SAG award because Cameron wasn't on the list for the Directors Guild mm. awards and and I don't. I don't know if it was up for the producers, but I think it's mm, starting think, to waver. It'll be up for tech categories. Uh, it's up for a SAG award, though, so yeah, I have access to it. We'll see. Yeah. And okay. anyway, oh, one more thing before we go. I'm also going to be at the Rogue Festival with my show, The Real Black Swan, Confessions of America's First Black Drag Queen. I will be there for two weekends, though. Um, so please go and see oh, it. You something. And I, I know, right? You and that podcast at two weekends. Wow. My, my two weeks and my two weekends and my highfalutin podcast. Yeah. <laughs> More people to yell at you, right? Yeah. But yes, but yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I guess that's it. So bye. Bye. Jason, say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs>